0: Hello, and you're very welcome to Mind You, where I dive into how different people use different ways to self-care. I'm Brian Barnes from Brian Barnes Wellbeing, where I partner with people to create unique wellbeing solutions. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Chris Maragakis. Chris has a huge passion for serving and minding others through her work as a women's life coach, as a podcaster, as a public speaker, as a well-being provider at her company, Simply Be Well-Being. And Chris, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm pleased to be here.
0: You're so welcome, Chris. And again, thank you so much for joining me. And can you start off by telling me a bit about yourself and how you got to here?
1: Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, I was very lucky in that I had, um, my mum was very open to exploring the world and and life around us and so we had lots of debates around spirituality and religion and beliefs as we were growing up Um, and then essentially what happened is when when we had our daughter 28 years ago she she was very poorly you know she was really really ill and they were talking about um, long-term care for her I'll hasten to say she's absolutely fine now um, and so while we were very grateful for the medical care that we were receiving, I, I didn't actually feel that it was right. And so I started looking for alternative ways to to help her, to support her. And um, through that, I became aware of feng shui. And um, so I did our house and I moved the energy around. And within days, she was so, so much better. So that was kind of like, right, well, there's definitely something to this now. How can I build on this? How can I make all of us better with this. And so I trained as a holistic therapist and became a Reiki practitioner. And and as you start on that journey, you start to become aware of different modalities and you get introduced to more people, became aware of Buddhism. And what I liked about Buddhism so much was that I found that for me, the Buddha was the greatest psychologist on the planet. And the idea that if you could control your mind, you could control your life and that you and only you were responsible for that was liberating. And so I I really then started to get into the idea of mindfulness and how, how that impacts to others and the way that we move through the world. So while I was practicing as a holistic therapist, it started to be that more and more people were wanting to talk, you know, they were wanting to spend time after the treatments and ask for support and advice. And so that's where my training took me and I I started working with CBT and I became uh, a mindfulness practitioner and teacher. And then I worked through mindfulness-based stress reduction until ultimately I became a life coach. And so that's kind of how it's gone and where I am now. And then to help people that couldn't maybe access some of what I was doing, especially during um, lockdown and COVID and, and the rise in mental health issues and... And just maybe the fact that they didn't know it was out there, I started podcasting. And that, that's gone really well, and I've just loved it. And I love the fact that there's resources there for people to be able to take something away after maybe listening for 10 or 15 minutes and thinking, I can do that. I can, I can make that change today, and, and I can start to see a way out of this.
0: Wow, I love it. I love it. And again, you know, like, like you've, you've such an amazing and very kind of toolkit which again we talked about earlier on you know like we we can have share a you know a passion for that kind of holistic approach yes. so diving deeper into how you mind others kind of day to day chris like again looking at that toolkit when someone comes to you you know where do you start off with them and how do you know which kind of tool to kind of start to use
1: Okay, so just so that everyone, so I started as a holistic therapist. So I've got all the kind of massage, Reiki, energy-based, crystal healing, sound healing kind of modalities behind me. Then, then I've got the mindful practice and that followed on to some yoga. So I've got um, how we move our body and how the energy moves around our body and how that can quieten our mind. So I've got such a holistic approach that when someone comes to me, I find the first, the first thing that we need to do is really listen. And when you're listening, it's not just about what they're saying. It's about maybe how they're holding themselves or the gaps in the conversation, because that can sometimes tell you more than than what is actually coming out of their mouth. And then it's about looking at who they are. If, while I have a, a standard six week programme, you have to have somewhere to start. That framework applies to everybody because it's stuff that needs to be addressed, but it has to be specific to the person that i'm dealing with it has to be specific to their issues to what is presenting in their daily life and so firstly i would say it's a conversation and then it's about looking at what what do they actually want from the process how do they want their life to be how do they want to present what is causing them the most pain and then coming up that's my job me, me to use all this experience that i've got to then start to find a way that we can not make huge sweeping changes but overwhelm but how we can have a consistent layered approach of small manageable tweaks if you like to mindset and lifestyle and uh, interaction and relationships especially the relationship that we have with ourselves so that that person becomes more confident to take control of their life to take control of the way that they want to show up in the world to maybe look for connections that have been missing from their life whether that's spending time on their own and their own self care journey or in fostering relationships or in learning more about how how they can live better and that all becomes then how they start their journey for well-being because until you start to become mindfully aware of the way that you think and the way that you interact you can't possibly know what is causing you pain or what is not working for you and so in a nutshell that's what we do we become mindfully aware so we can identify challenge and change whatever's not working for us and that is what gives us the ability to become empowered and to take control of life
0: absolutely and even I, I talk about this a lot with you know clients and people that I'm kind of you know sharing what I do with about you know the fact that we're all swimming in the sea of stress stress, yes. especially the last few years yep. and you know, like people, a lot of people think of stress as a, men, a kind of, a you know, mental kind of mental health, but, you know, like at least 90% of all GP visits are caused by stress and stress, you know, has a huge effect on the body. So, you know, it, it's kind of, it, it's that kind of knowledge for, for people to have that, you know, stress impacts the, the, the body and the mind, again, looking at that holistic approach.
1: It it does. And I think the thing is also we've lost our connection to nature and our communities and, you know, in years gone by. And I'm not saying that the past was any better than it is now, but you you had a support network around you, whereas modern working practices and maybe technology and all of the things that are supposed to be making our life better are actually making us disconnected. And as human beings, we need that connection. We need to feel that we have um support around us that we have interaction with people that we have an opportunity to share and grow and I think sometimes it's that that needs to be addressed sometimes we've lost our connection to nature you know we've lost a lot of our green spaces it's it's proven that being in nature helps our mindset it helps us to reset it helps us to ground we have all these technological devices in our, in our life and they're all very useful if we use them as tools and not as control mechanisms but also they give off energy and as we're energetic beings at the end of the day we need to manage that energy to make sure that it's keeping us well and not causing us further problems and, and so I think you have to be aware you can't just deal with a, an issue because there's no such thing. You know, it has an impact on your well-being. It has an impact on your physicality. That will then impact your relationships. And until you until you solve all of the the pieces of that puzzle, you won't be able to move forward. You'll be building your house on the sand. So you need to get those foundations in and make sure that you're identifying all of the potential pitfalls, so that so that people can then start to feel better and manage their own well-being.
0: Absolutely, and Chris, I, I suppose. I was gonna ask you, let's say, what are some of the most common issues that you that, you know, that people have come into you? Because I've noticed, you know, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, like during, during the lockdowns, people were, you know, the whole kind of baking bread and they were having more time off and they were going to the local park and there was a big, you know, like, um, Kind of sea swimming kind of uptake here in, in Ireland and just being out in nature mm-hmm. and it's and and that was kind of being celebrated it was like just the way, like remember when the planes weren't flying
1: and yeah. people were
0: saying you could there was more nature there was you could hear the birds singing and yeah. nature was like wow you know they, 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 they must have thought it was you know like it was Christmas because like that, that there was no kind of you know there was so, so much less pollution and noise pollution and you know, like, it it seems like people are kind of gone back to normal. And again, almost celebrating that at the moment, because that's what they knew, you know, before, you know, all, you know, those lockdowns. And again, you know, any kind of silver lining, you know, that was gained has been almost kind of lost again, because people are back to normal. But I'm convinced that a lot of people, including myself, I think everyone, there's almost a kind of a, a touch of, you know, PTSD from those lockdowns and to go back to normal isn't the wisest thing to do.
1: Um, I'm not sure that I actually agree with all of that. That's not necessarily what I'm seeing. I saw a lot of people, I think it went both ways because um, I did quite a lot of wellbeing calls during lockdown. And I think it, some people discovered that actually they were never going to go back to living the nine to five and or for most people the seven to seven and the pressure that they were putting on themselves and what was they'd worked out what was really important to them and that had kind of kick-started a new journey for them but they weren't really sure how they could integrate that with the need to make money so it was looking at different ways of of honoring themselves really I mean once they'd worked out who they who they were or they were starting to work out who they were maybe it was that the job that they were doing was no longer suitable for them and and so they found alternatives For other people who had been rushing around, um, the thought or the idea of having to spend all that time inside their own head was just overwhelming. It was just causing so much distress that it was then learning how to create some space so that they could start to filter all these thoughts rather than it being a continual onslaught. And then for for me, the people that I tend to work with, the people that the issues that we are presenting is generally anxiety because we're living in such a fast-paced world and we're constantly living in the future and we're, you know, constantly striving for the next thing because we're a consumer society and that has a huge impact on well-being. Um, Overwhelm, because life is just so busy and people feel that there isn't time to slow down or be good at any, everything. They can't, the the idea that they must be brilliant at everything is, is too much for people to deal with. I find that a lot of people have lost their sense of self or their sense of identity and connection. And that's very distressing. Um, Fear of failure, especially um, as they're judging themselves against other people. I find that comes up a lot. And yet the truth of the matter is we never really know what anyone else has battled to have what we think it is that we want from their life. So we need to be aware of that. And I think um, imposter syndrome as well. Lots of people struggle to feel comfortable with their own skill set and to know that you know they're the best person to judge who they are and what's best for them but they've lost that faith in their own ability or their intuition because their thinking brain has just become such a rigid box for them to live in that they've actually become in a cage of their own making and so it's how we can help people overcome that and, and manage the things that cause the anxiety and the overwhelm and help them to reconnect with themselves and find balance. I think essentially lots of people have lost their balance and that's what they're striving to, to find again.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And one of our huge passions that we share is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we, we, we know the benefits of that. So let's say someone coming to you, Chris, Who's a complete novice who's never heard of mindfulness before? What are some of the you know what are some of the ways you kind of bring mindfulness into into your um, into the equation?
1: I mean, there's lots of ways I mean lots of people automatically jump to meditation, and meditation is not for everyone. Everyone can meditate, but there's different styles. and for people who are feeling overwhelmed or anxious, maybe sitting with a breath or something like that is is not going to be the best tool for them because that will cause more problems of itself. So I think for me, Bringing mindfulness into it is just this process of starting to become aware. What? How do you think? What are you thinking? Where are those thoughts coming from? How do they? How do those thoughts then make you show up in the world? Because in doing this, you can start to see yourself where you can start to make changes, or the ones that aren't helping you. And so it's just the simplest of, of processes, really. Just start to become aware of all the chatter in your head and see where it takes you and then from there we can build on the practices you know journaling is really helpful because sometimes you just need to get all that stuff out of your head so that you can you can think and if it's on the piece of paper then you can start to see maybe that there's patterns or maybe that you're being triggered by a certain thing or a certain person in which case we can come up with strategies to help you cope with that. You know, obviously, there is meditation. Exercise is really good. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to suddenly start skydiving. You know, just using something that helps you to become present moment aware. So Just go for a walk.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, just go for a walk or just go for a paddle in the sea or just do something that brings you joy. Maybe a bit of colouring or... You know, lots of us don't have time or don't make time to do the things that make us happy. And that may be doing a crossword or it may be cooking or it may be gardening. And gardening is especially good because then you've got your hands in the soil. So you're connecting with nature and you're grounding and it and it just has so many benefits. So I think essentially for me, mindfulness is about starting to become aware of what we think, how we live and what we might want to be changing and that then gives us a feeling of control because then we are absolutely responsible for ourselves and we can then start to make the changes that we want to see.
0: Absolutely. And again, I say to a lot of people, being gentle with yourself because absolutely. we all have these monkey minds. And, yeah. you know, like uh, the research tells us if, if we're not in the moment, 75% of our thoughts are either in the future or the past. And mm-hmm. it can- negative and you know those ants the automatic negative thoughts so but it, it's, it's to kind of know that and give yourself a break but to do it gently because this kind of you know let's say kind of you know like giving out to yourself about not being in the moment like that just makes things worse so it's it's about being very gentle with yourself and you know baby steps it's all about baby steps isn't it?
1: Well, it's a practice, isn't it? That's why it's called it. It's a mindfulness practice. It's a meditation practice. That means that we start small and we build on it. And it might take us a lifetime to get to a point where we think we should be. But there's no right or wrong. So the idea of having to be a certain way with it is just another pressure that we're putting on ourselves. You know, life is a journey. We don't want to focus on the end goal. We want to focus on the process. So it's just about each day even if we just give ourselves we set a timer for five minutes and we just concentrate on one thing for five minutes the benefit on our well-being for just doing that is huge and then maybe you can start to find gaps in your week where you can start to do something you really like for 10 minutes or maybe you can you know use a practice in there you do 10 minutes of journaling or maybe do 10 minutes of chanting or meditation or you go for a walk or you, you make time to spend time with your friends whatever it is it goes back to the same thing small consistent changes are far more effective than massive sweeping changes that are hard to sustain And so yes be gentle on yourself and if it doesn't happen one day it doesn't matter but the next day start with the intention to do it again
0: absolutely absolutely and chris the, the workplace well-being that you do again like that's what again another one of our passions. And mm-hmm. You know like obviously there's been huge changes in, in the workplaces in the last couple of years with you know kind of online and people are at home on Zoom. Like, you know, ha, ha, what, what changes have you seen and what challenges have you seen?
1: I think loan working has been difficult for some people, especially if you work in a high stress environment or um, a person led environment where you've got the unpredictability of people's behaviors. Because you know, if you were in a clinical unit or you were in a a supportive unit, you could come back and you could go, oh my God, this has just happened, blah, 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 whereas you're you're on your own. So it's about making sure that workplaces have got lots of opportunities for people and not necessarily formal opportunities, but lots of opportunities for people to interact so that they can have that, whether it's just the fact that there's you know, a Teams chat or something where you can just put in and, and everyone can then come and support you. I think also it's about um, how we communicate with each other because now we're mostly communicating through written word a lot of the time or we're not seeing each other or we're not face to face is we have to improve our communication skills so that misunderstandings are less easily made um, and so it's all about the communication that we have and also I think it's about understanding we have to have a more reasonable um, acceptance of who people are and how they are rather than going in and trying to assume that they must be a certain way because they're at this level of the company. You know, we are all human. We are all just trying to get through life the best way that we can. We all have our, you know, weaknesses and we all have our strengths. And we need to keep that humanity, especially if we're working remotely. Um, And so it's just recognising that, you know, your position in the company does not necessarily mean you have all the answers. and, And having that understanding and that tolerance for each other and that open communication so that ideas can be explored so that everybody feels valued so that we can all grow together which ultimately improves focus of your company improves your well-being of your company reduces your time the time that your staff are having off and makes a, an environment which is really proactive and feels supported for the people that are working there which is going to improve your outcomes as a company and potentially your customer service and your credibility so it's so important to be maintaining staff well-being, especially, I think, in this situation and the way that we're working now and the way that the workplace is evolving.
0: Absolutely. And again, you know, as we know, you know, the, your, your staff, your employees are your biggest asset. And yeah. that return on investment on kind of well-being programmes and, you know, kind of looking after staff is you know it's four or five to one you know there's a huge return on investment mm-hmm. but it, again it, it, it's often done in a kind of you know that kind of cookie cutter kind of tick box yeah, tick way box, yeah. so are, are you seeing kind of things evolve in workplaces
1: yeah I think so I think for, and also it's a realization that it actually doesn't have to cost a fortune you know, you don't have to buy in some huge program or you don't have to be giving massive swathes of time to people. You need to build a culture. And, and that's you have to do from the grassroots. And you all have to do that together. Everybody has to be on the same page and moving towards that. And so it's about having these opportunities for people to interact with each other. You know, however that may be. Online is fine. It You know, online is not a bad thing. We just have to be aware that it has its limitations like everything else and i think understanding that work is not the same as it was three years ago and for for lots of people might not have the same impact on their life that it had three years ago and so we have to acknowledge that people's lives everybody's life changed you know the whole world shut down and that had far-reaching consequences all over the place in how we had to adapt and I think the workplaces did really well to adapt really quickly, but I still think we're seeing the afterspill of that on our well-being and our psyche. And we need to take it as an opportunity to move forward and to progress and to be better. We don't want to necessarily go back to what we had before because for a lot of people, it, it wasn't working. And you could see that through high turnover, burnout, you know, the amount of time that people were having off sick um, and the way that companies were starting to become... Less supportive and more toxic because it was becoming so progress driven. And I appreciate the fact that companies need to make business. I'm not make money. I'm not saying that we need to marginalise their profit, but there has to be a, a more supportive way of achieving that. And if you're taking care of your staff, like you say, the returns that you get are huge. So it's it's self defeating not to be promoting your staff and taking good care of them.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing that with me, Chris. And You're can okay. you tell me now how you mind you?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, so I I have a daily meditation practice. I uh, love just, for me, that is a no, I have to do that every day. I have to just take myself off and have time to just go within and check in with how I'm thinking and how I'm feeling. Gratitude, I have a, a strong gratitude practice. Um, I do yoga, I walk the dog every day, I have acupuncture once a month, I have Reiki once a month, I actually just come back from a seven day retreat in Bali because I know that the work that I do and I love the work that I do, but it, it can take a toll you know you're you're dealing with people's emotions, you're dealing with people's problems, some of which are quite, um, complex. I've just come off a contract working with um, women who've been through the criminal justice system, so that has its own uh, issues. And if I don't maintain my well-being, firstly, how can I advise other people when I'm not doing it for myself? But also because I know the importance of it. I know how well I feel. And, you know, there's that old expression, you can't feel from an empty jug. And so for me, it is that mindful awareness, <clears throat> excuse me, of Checking in with myself and making sure that I'm OK, I'm in, a, I'm in a good place and knowing when to effectively set my boundaries or reinforce my boundaries if that's not the case.
0: Absolutely. And again, one thing I've learned from this podcast, Chris, is that having boundaries is the ultimate self-care
1: absolutely and I think other people respect that like lots of people are scared that if they have boundaries people won't like them or they might not progress or I'm not saying draw a hard line in the sand and become confrontational what I'm saying is get to know yourself what you need to do what is best for you and then have have a a stop zone because if you're constantly being put upon you become resentful and you become ill and the stress will have a long-term effect and that will you know impact on relationships and work and And so it's not healthy, whereas a healthy boundary that allows you to step back earlier will will stop all that from happening. And so you, you again are in control of your life. You're managing your own well-being. You're taking responsibility for yourself and how you show up in the world. And that's why boundaries are so important.
0: Absolutely. And again, another golden nugget I've learned in my own life, because, you know, up until recently, boundaries to me, I couldn't spell boundaries. I was like, it just wasn't a thing. And I've had to learn, you know, if you imagine a boundary as, let's say, a wall, I've had to build them brick by brick. But again, do the ultimate in self-care. And if you're saying you know, if you can, if you feel you can't say no to other people, and you're saying yes, and you know, you're kind of, you know, like, you're kind of, you know, afraid to say no, saying yes to everyone else, you're actually saying no to yourself.
1: Well, you're, you're giving away your power, you're allowing everybody else to dictate how you live your life. Yeah. And we don't know what happens in the future. So for now, we've just got this life, and we have to live it in the best way that we can. And that means that we have to take personal responsibility for, for how we choose to live. And what, how we choose to interact with other people and you're right none of us are born knowing this stuff I don't think we are I think we all have to learn it's a journey of self-discovery you know it's not that I've always known how to enforce my boundaries or how to be mindfully aware I had to go on a journey like everybody else and I have I have days where I just think oh you know today today was hard but that's okay because I also know that I have a really good toolkit so tomorrow when I get up it will be better
0: yeah, absolutely. And again, the whole thing with boundaries, I've learned that the, the very people that push back on your boundaries are the reason that you should have boundaries in the first place.
1: Absolutely. And if people if you're surrounding yourself with people who aren't supportive of you and promoting you, then you have to look at why. You know, and then you have to you have to be constantly looking at your at the people you have and the way that you live, and looking for the things that support your life and the things that detract from your life. And where we can't always avoid toxic people, we need to come up with some really good coping skills to stop them um, or their toxicity eating away at us, you know. And that's that's where mindfulness comes in. Constantly checking in, is you know, is this person good for me? Is this activity good for me? If not, can I can I minimize the impact, it's the negative impact it's having on me? Can I walk away from it? And it is always OK to walk away. You know, there's always. There's always a reason why you don't have to put up with something. It's about learning the skills, how to get yourself out of those situations without causing more problems.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love it, Chris. But well, again, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, they can find me at my website, which is simplybe.org.uk, or I've got the Mindful Mutterings podcast, which is on most major platforms. You can check out my socials. Um, and, yeah, just get in touch, please. Whatever you're going through, you know, there is always the option for a call. There is no obligation. It's your journey. But don't don't be sitting there, you know, suffering in silence. Sometimes it's just a kind word or a quick solution and that can turn your life around.
0: Brilliant. Well, Chris, thank you so much again for joining me today and being so honest and so kind with all your, with your toolkit and all the, you know, that journey that you've been on and the the amazing ways that you help so many people and how you mind you and best of luck with everything you do in the future.
1: Thank you very much. And thank you for your time today. It's been lovely chatting with you.
0: Me too. Thanks, Chris.
1: Take care.
0: so much for listening to Mind You and I hope you've learned about the benefits of holistic self-care. Please like, subscribe and follow Mind You podcast wherever you listen to it and please share it so we can keep the ripple effect of holistic self-care going out to the world. You can find me and Mind You at brianbarneswellbeing.com and remember to Mind You.